And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. And Mark lives in Kerhonkson with his wife and one of their daughters. Additionally, they have a married son who serves with Wycliffe in Brazil, a married daughter in Colorado, and a newly married daughter living in the Kerhonkson area. Good morrow, Dan. And also Dr. Hans Vogt, Associate Professor at Ulster County Community College. And if you ever find yourself taking a history course at UTRIC, there's a good chance that you will meet Professor Vogt. Hans resides in Saugerties, New York, with his wife and a son and a daughter. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, gentlemen, last week on A Plain Answer... We just started to review some of the events leading up to the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, some of the abuses that were occurring in the medieval church that started to make quite a stir. And uh, we mentioned some of the men that even preceded uh, Martin Luther, such as Huss, Wycliffe, and some others. And uh, let's continue here today talking about some of these abuses leading up right into the life of Martin Luther. Well, one of the uh, issues that we talked about last week was the whole system of purgatory and the idea of indulgences, which would remit the penalty and help hasten uh, your time in purgatory. Mm. Uh, and of course, these were fundraisers, uh, both for the papacy as a whole in building the beautiful St. Peter's Basilica mm-hmm. in Rome, uh, also for uh, Albrecht of Brandenburg, uh, who was the bishop uh, in Luther's uh, diocese, hmm. who had just purchased uh, the right to his third bishopric, which was itself a violation of church rules, uh, and who was looking to raise some money to pay off uh, that loan. And then you have an itinerant Dominican monk with a real flair for marketing named Johann Tetzel. Hmm. Tetzel was going around selling these indulgences. Uh, One account says he had a clever jingle or slogan that he had written for it. As soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Yeah, that's that's a great jingle. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, what happened with that is that outraged Luther... And that was the straw, if you will, that broke the camel's back. That was the thing that led Luther to nail his 95 theses on the Wittenberg door. Mm -hmm. And he was protesting that. Now, one of the things that we have to understand with Luther is he has just been newly converted. One of the things that the penitential system did is it really focused on the law, the keeping of the law, and trying to be justified by the keeping of the law Mm -hmm. or or by some penances. And that was something that plagued Luther. Now, since we've come to Luther, we probably ought to talk a little bit about Luther. His father was a minor. Mm -hmm. Uh, He uh, was going to school, and on his way, I believe he was going back to school from a break, He got caught in a thunderstorm. Yes, I remember that. Yes, and the thunderstorm scared him so badly that he prayed to St. Anne. And and it was a bolt of lightning, actually, that that, that felled him, according to one of the sources. Yes, yes, he he got probably not struck, almost struck. Yeah, so he was terribly afraid of death. Yes, and so he vows to St. Anne he will become a monk. Yeah. And he does. Yeah, and I was impressed... um, it looked like, uh, according to what I read, it only took about five days between the time of the lightning bolt 
<laughs> and when he's signing up as a monk. Much to his father's chagrin, too. Yeah. He was very upset at that. Hmm. And uh, he wound up in an Augustinian, uh, and that was key. That was yeah, very key. Right. He wound up being an Augustinian monk. Mm-hmm. And so he is totally committed to mm-hmm. this yeah. in a singular manner. And he is so fearful of his sins um, that uh, when he comes to confession, his confessor was, uh, was a man by the name of Staupitz. Mm-hmm. And when he would come to Staupitz, you know, he would continually confess his sins. And he had the longest list. <laughs> I've described this before, but it, it just reminds me of the old Columbo series. If you remember the Columbo movie, right. you know, where, where Columbo... Just one more thing. Just one more thing. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, he's walking out there, just one more thing. And, <laughs> and I can see Luther with Staupitz getting ready to leave, and Staupitz is thinking, oh, good. And Luther comes back, just one more, just one more. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's what Luther was like. So and he was uh, a, a very dedicated monk in those days. Uh, yes. Uh, long fasting, uh, prayer, yes. uh, pilgrimage. Pilgrimage to Rome. Yeah. Eye-opener for him. Okay. Just a tremendous thing. But if you understand, even in all of this, his conflict with God, he talks about this, he says... I could not bear the words, the justice of God. Hmm. I love not the just and holy God who punishes sinners. I was filled with secret rage against him and hated him Hmm. because, not satisfied with terrifying us, his miserable creatures already lost by original sin with his law Hmm. and the miseries of life, he still further increased our torment by the gospel. But then it changed. He says, but when the Spirit of God, I comprehended these words. When I learned how the sinner's justification proceeds from the pure mercy of the Lord by means of faith, then I felt myself revived like a new man Mm. and entered at open doors into the very paradise of God. From that time also, I beheld the precious sacred volume with new eyes and went over all the Bible and collected a great number of passages which taught me what the work of God was. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what a modern evangelical would look back and say, well, that's when he um, really became conscious of of becoming born again of the Spirit of God. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And much of that was through his lectures. He was studying Romans, Mm -hmm. lecturing on Romans and Galatians. Interesting. Now, if you look at the book of Galatians, where Paul vehemently emphasizes we're justified by faith and not the works of the law. Yeah. If you look at Luther's works today in the uh, English translation of them, if you look at his commentaries, and he has commentaries on, on most books of the Bible, Galatians, six chapters long, one of the shorter books of the Bible, mm-hmm. two big volumes. Yeah. Two big volumes. Yeah, Luther did a lot of work on Galatians. Yeah. Now, jumping back just a minute, um, looking in history, I see that he was ordained to the priesthood in 1507. Mm-hmm. And then um, October 1512, he was awarded his Doctor of Theology. So here he is lecturing now, um, 1516, 1517, in that time frame, on the letter to the Galatians. So that just puts it into context, I believe, right. in terms of the dates. That's right. Right. He's a professor at uh, Wittenberg, at the university in Wittenberg. Uh, and it's one year after this 
spiritual breakthrough in 1516. Okay. The following year, 1517, is when Tetzel comes around Tetzel comes. selling his indulgences. Oh, that's the time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Well, I see we're out of time already for this uh, segment. Yes. We're up against a break here. Stay with us now. Much more to follow here on A Plain Answer. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. And with that segue music, we know that this is a special edition of A Plain Answer. Today we're talking about the Reformation, and in particular, Dr. Martin Luther. Yes, and we were talking about Luther and, of course, his writing, uh, nailing the 95 Theses, because here is this indulgence seller, Johannes Tetzel, coming into town, and he's trying Mm -hmm. to tell people that here... You can get the souls of your loved ones out of purgatory by buying this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he thought the Pope would be outraged, mm-hmm. frankly, you know. And, and in fact, uh, he wrote, if the Pope has this kind of power, why, he certainly would let everyone out of purgatory, right? Mm. He was soon to find out that was not the case. And so we have a debate raging, not only over indulgences, but then the essence of what must I do to be saved. Yeah, That's right. When Luther starts this, uh, he, he nails his 95 Theses to the church door. He sends a copy as well to Albrecht, the bishop, who in turn sends it on to Rome. Uh, Luther is expecting an academic debate. Uh, he yeah. was not prepared initially for what he unleashed. In fact, he later wrote, yeah. What I did toppled heaven and consumed earth by fire. <laughs> uh, you know, he was not quite prepared. So this was uh, commonplace in those days. They would post uh, their items right. of debate among the monks, and they would go at it. That's right. It's yeah. a sort of a bulletin board. Yeah. Um, but as this, I mean, part of what makes this spread so quickly is that 
uh, it is translated, he writes it in Latin, which is, of course, the language of, of the university and of the church. Right. But it's very quickly translated into German and published. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it be these ideas take on a life of their own beyond what Luther had ever envisioned. Yeah, and during that time frame, isn't the printing press starting to uh, exactly. come about? Right. Okay, yeah. so things really start to roll. Okay. So uh, his writings uh, then get circulated more widely. Um, they're now in German. You've got the printing press. I understand uh, some of his writings also reach other nations. France, England, Italy, according to Wikipedia here, is as early as uh, 1519. That's yes. right. And 1519 is a key year because in July of that year, he debates Johann Eck mm. in Leipzig. Uh, and, again, Luther seems to have gone into that debate thinking it was strictly going to be on the theological points he had been addressing. Eck comes into that debate and immediately goes on the offensive and says to Luther, the core issue here is you're denying the authority of the Pope and of the Church altogether. Okay. And uh, Eck kind of pushes Luther into a corner, and finally Luther comes out and says, you know, you're right. I do deny uh, that the Pope wow. has authority yeah. over and above the Scripture. Uh, and that, of course, is when he now is in hot water. That really ignited things at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you see that the whole issue of authority is working. And even at this point, we still have a Luther at the, the 95 Thesis still adhering to the doctrine of purgatory, although he admits at that point even that the doctrine of purgatory isn't really a biblical doctrine. He cannot see it in the mm-hmm. Bible. Mm-hmm. And so he still holds it. But you see, eventually he he's having to give up certain doctrines to conform himself to the Scriptures. And we see that at Leipzig. And uh, then, uh, of course, things move on to 1520 mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. The, the Diet of Arms. Mm-hmm. Now, um, doesn't uh, Luther at some point then suffer even more severe uh, an excommunication, I believe. Right. That's right. And he is now in serious trouble, and his life <laughs> is in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, and he knows what happened to Jan Hus and to others who had dared to challenge papal authority. Mm-hmm. So in 1520, he publishes three uh, key works. Mm-hmm. The first is the Address to the Nobility of the German Nation. And this is an appeal for political support from the German princes. Remember that Germany at this point is not a unified nation. Um, it is a collection of principalities, and the princes in turn elect the Holy Roman Emperor. But they are Germans, and they do have some reason to be resentful of an Italian pope. And so he appeals to them and says, we don't need to be subservient to an Italian hierarchy. We can have an independent Reformed church here in Germany. Hmm. Uh, the second book is the Babylonian Captivity of the Church, and this is where he argues that the popes had been using the system of sacraments to keep the gospel in captivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and here's where he really calls for wholesale transformation uh, of Christian practice. Mm-hmm. And then the third uh, volume in 1520 is on the freedom of a Christian man, and this is where he takes this issue of faith and works, and he argues that good works are not the means of salvation. They are only our response to God's love mm-hmm. and salvation. And uh, the way he puts it is, 
good works do not make a good man, mm-hmm. but a good man does good works. Yeah, how true is that? Um, oftentimes, when you talk with a non-Christian, uh, this comes up, doesn't it? You think you can stand before God? What would you tell him? Well, I, you know, hopefully I've done enough good works, or or something of that form or nature will come up. Yeah, and what Luther was driving at here is we are not righteous. There is no righteousness at all. Isaiah sixty four six tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. You mm. know. So it completely takes away the merit from the individual, mm-hmm. and uh, that it's only through Jesus Christ that we have our righteousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's his righteousness, as we pointed out, that imputed righteousness. And so he comes with that, prepared to debate that at the Diet of Arms. And that's a different situation there, because at the Diet of Arms, we have the political rulers. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Charles V there, and he didn't get to debate. He basically was told, do you recant? Okay. And what's the name of this program, by the way? A Plain Answer. Yes. And so, and where did this this Plain Answer come from? <laughs> you thought it up. <laughs> it's, it's from the... It is, no. <laughs> I'm teasing. This is actually where the, this name for this program came from. When, right. when Luther was standing up there and they, they demanded a plain answer, and he said, I will give you a plain answer, you know, <laughs> without uh, without horns and teeth or... Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the clock here, gentlemen. I see that we've got about a minute left already to this program. I don't know where the time flown, but um, summary thoughts as we look at the life here of Martin Luther. Next week, God willing, is uh, October the 31st, and we want to cover more of this. But now some closing thoughts. Well, one thing that comes to my mind is that scene of Luther at Worms. When he says, my conscience is held captive by the word mm. of God, I cannot and will not take back anything. Mm. Um, it makes me ask myself, how willing would I be yeah. in the face of all the political and ecclesiastical pressure the world had to, to bring to bear on me? Mm. How willing would I be to stand up there and say, here I stand, I can do no other? Yeah. yeah. And I understand that um, he was pretty... Um, meek and mild as he made that statement. Correct me if I'm wrong here, yes. Mark. He yes, wasn't he was. He wasn't like pounding his fist or anything no, like that. No, he was one. In fact, when he came, he actually asked to think it over that mm. night. Yeah. yeah. When he came the second day, it was like, I have to I have to do this. Here I stand. I can do no other. That's it. Well, God help me. We're yeah. uh, out of time, unfortunately, for this program already. A quick summary, Mark. Um, suppose somebody is listening today. They want to know the peace that only Jesus Christ can give. What would you say? Well, I would say you go and look at what Jesus did. He is the one who died on the cross for our sins hmm. and trust in him completely. Hmm. You know, that's Amen. it. That's the only way. His righteousness is placed on your account. Believe on him. You will be saved. I'm Dan Elmendorf for Redeemer Broadcasting. You've been listening to A Plain Answer. Joining me today in the studio, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Thanks so much for joining us, and join us again next week for this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs>